The Athletic. Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. On today's show, Andrew James from Sports Interactive is here to help heal us all, or at least our FM avatars anyway, plus the final whistle blows on Season 1 of the Community Challenge with Sheffield Wednesday. Now the keen-eared amongst you may have heard me not mention RDF tactics in the intro. That's because he's got the flu, so we've had to send him home. Aaron failing a late fitness test has brought back a familiar feeling. You all know it. Your team's flying high. Form is brilliant. Squad morale is through the roof. Nothing can stop you until the dreaded injury crisis hits. Is it self-inflicted? Is it simply bad luck? Or is there something we as managers can do to limit the amount of time our players spend in the treatment room? Joining us today is none other than Andrew James from Sports Interactive to talk to us about all things medical in FM23. Andrew James, welcome to the Football Manager Show. Hi Tony, thanks for having me on again. It's a pleasure to have you on, it's fantastic to get you back in. Just of course Andrew, for the loyal listeners, can you please explain what it is you do every day? Yep, so I'm the QA lead on the gameplay team for training, finances injuries, new gens, and some other long-term balancing stuff. So I test the game, make sure things stay as they should be. So, Andrew, we've got you on today to talk specifically about injury prevention. First question I'm going to ask is, why do my star players always seem to get injuries at key moments in the season? (laughs) Am I overworking them? You might be, for a start, but first and foremost, there is always that luck element involved so if it's always at the key moments that sounds like bad luck because there's nothing in the game that says oh you've won a lot of games we're going to give you an injury now it's all done on percentages throughout the whole season but yeah as you've hinted at yourself there are ways you can try and give yourself the best chance of avoiding these injury crises absolutely i was going to say i have just slightly tongue-in-cheek going am i overworking <laughs> but there, but there is that thing isn't there like you know if you're looking at, at, at training and, and matches then obviously you know are we either as managers under-training or, or possibly over-training? Yeah, it's a good question because at the start of the season, so in pre-season, you want to drill them hard because you want to get that long-term fitness in the bank. So we have fatigue, which is a hidden attribute in so much as we don't get the numbers shown to us, but in the medical centre, you can see which players are more fatigued, less fatigued. And if you get a good pre-season in, you get that in the bank. And by the end of the season, hopefully they'll remain in better shape than if you don't train them hard at the start. Mm. And is it also as well, is it something similar, something, something simple as maybe not doing a lot of strength training towards the back end of the season? Maybe kind of like that's, that's their, their muscles are all fatigued and everyone's got those orange rest tabs on them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. When you put your training schedules in, we have those little bars to show the impact of the sessions. So you want to make sure that they're sort of balanced out, not giving too much hard work to them. Mm, that makes sense that makes sense I mean uh, also as well we've noticed sports science obviously becoming very very popular in terms of of real life football and of course that's now reflected within the game so what does a sports scientist actually do now just (laughs) you see the term you go sports scientist that probably makes some sense but let's drill it down what do they actually do how do they benefit a club 
And what attributes should we be looking for when we try and recruit one? Yeah, so I think a good way of thinking about it is you have your physios and your sports scientists in the medical team. The physios are sort of focused specifically on injuries, like how long people are out for, that kind of thing. Whereas the sports scientists focus more on fitness and when the players are fit, how ready they are for matches, whether they're susceptible to injuries, sort of whether they need a rest, that kind of thing. So the sports scientists have basically a sports science attribute. That's the main one. The higher that is, the better their analysis is, like the more reliable their feedback is. In the medical centre, you see all this stuff for like, this player's had a heavy match load or he's feeling fatigued, susceptible to injuries. The higher their sports science attribute, the more likely this is to be correct, essentially. And I'm presumably this is going to be something that, that we're going to see more at the higher levels. I mean, I play lower league management <laughs> myself, so I'm guessing a sports scientist is just going to be someone who's got a, a bottle of Lucasaid, yeah? Yeah, magic sponge for the physio as well. Um, <laughs> it can still make a difference. Just having someone whose job is to think specifically about this stuff, the feedback's there and it's always useful to at least have that advice. You might get a news item or something that just triggers, oh yeah, this guy could do the rest, so... I still think it's always valuable. Mm, no, absolutely. I mean, if we talk about the backroom staff, obviously, you know, traditionally we would look at our physios and, and we do get, you know, staff that are already there when we turn up. Do hiring better physios help? Do hiring more physios help? Yeah, so it can help. So the better their physiotherapy attribute is, it can cut down the time that these players are out for. So when a player gets injured, they have the minimum time they're going to be out or the maximum time. And the better your physios are, then the more likely they are to get back as soon as possible so yeah that's make a difference on uh, one of my saves i had a player who was the left winger and the physio at the same club <laughs> so that's the level that i play at okay so uh, i actually asked him once in stream i said uh, i said what happens if you get injured do you do you bring the magic sponge on uh, and his response was someone throws it on the pitch for him which i thought was beautiful to be honest. so there you go um a squad rotation i'm going to mention as well squad rotation yeah. obviously a great way to reduce injury risk but what if my squad's just a bit too small? As I say, where I'm managing, I haven't got two players who are as good as in each position. Um, yeah. Obviously, people who are managing at the top leagues, you've got all that chance to rotate your squad. It's something that you've just got to keep on top of all the time. So if you're 3-0 up and cruising, don't just let the game play out. Like Actively look, this is a chance. I can rest my best player now, get him off, get him in the bath. <laughs> it's a case of like staying on the ball, taking the chances to rotate where you can. But again, there's other ways you can sort of limit the risk, resting players from training if you have to, having lighter workloads or just accepting that this guy is going to need a rest and even if my backup's not very good, it's just what we have to do at this point. Mm, I think it's that thing, isn't it? It's see, seeing a player, as you've just said there, the game's won, you see a player's heart rating drop to red, bring him off, and, or if orange maybe, wrap him up in cotton wool, keep him ready for the next game because obviously you don't want to be accumulating further further risk am i understanding that right yeah that's right so i've talked about the injury susceptibility like the more tired a player gets the more orange you see on his profile the more likely he will be to get injured so yeah trying to stop that happening is a good way to do it and if for example in game we see a player pick up a knock they say they want to carry on is there any way for me to assess what that injury is and what impact playing on might actually have on that individual? So as far as I know, just the info is what we show on the screen. So you have to make the decision. What's the player? There's no way you can dig out anything further. So you're just taking the player's word for it. And if you trust them, you can take that chance. But there is something wrong. So there is always going to be a heightened risk. Mm, yeah, exactly. I suppose that uh, that does make sense as well. And then, of course, when they are injured, we get three options of rehabilitation. Yeah. 
we get injection, we get physio, sometimes we get sent to specialist, depending upon the nature of the injury. So can you explain to listeners pros and cons of each of these approaches? Because obviously they do vary, yeah? Yeah, so injection is if you probably if you have a big match coming up, you just need this guy to get through the game. So without the injection, he wouldn't it maybe be in too much pain to play but this will allow him to play. But again, he shouldn't really be playing, so it's going to increase the chance of making things worse or he might be out for longer once he settles down and once you stop injecting him, it could flare up. So I think that one comes with a small medical cost as well. So if you're really in the lower leagues, that might even be a factor. Mm. Physio is just sort of the standard. Like, he'll be treated by a physio. He's back when he's back. And then centre specialist will come with a another payout. You've got to send him off to someone who might give you a better chance of him coming back sooner. But yeah, a bit more expensive. And it doesn't always guarantee it. So it's just whether or not you're happy to splash the cash and take that chance. Yeah, and I guess something with a specialist as well comes an element of weighing up, okay, this player's 32, 33, is sending him to a specialist the right idea? Or if it's a young 19-year-old who you want to develop, I guess you've got that sort of weighing up as well, yeah? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's all about sort of taking it case by case and working out what the best is for that player and that injury. Like sometimes if it... You might see that the physio reckons he'll be back in five to five to six months. The specialist says five months are not worth the difference. But sometimes the specialist can make a bigger difference. You think, oh, that's he's going to be back two months uh, two months sooner if I do that. Let's let's go for it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So also as well, I'm I'm taking a lot of ownership here. Okay, so. <laughs> If I, because I am in the, currently in the middle of an injury crisis and it's incredibly <laughs> beneficial for me right now. If I hold my hands up, okay, and I say that what I'm doing on the training pitch is resulting in my players getting injured, what can I do to limit that, especially when I get fixture pile up? Yeah, so I, I mentioned it before, but we sit in the training schedules, you can see sort of the impact that these things are going to have. So I'd recommend sort of probably taking out a few physical sessions because they tend to, especially at the end of the season, have a negative impact on player condition. Again, if you see players that look like they need a rest, you could just give them a rest from training. If you if your training sessions are that strenuous, don't wait for the orange rest icon to come up before you send them on a rest. Just get ahead of it and let them have a breather. Can I ring my player's employer and ask them to take a couple of days off work because we've got a big match coming up? Is that a possibility? or Maybe that's a feature request, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I quite like that. And I guess ultimately then that comes with the big question of is it a bad idea? to play a player who's orange injured or fatigued in a vitally important match or as we found out with various conversations with sports interactive staff on the podcast is it that old favorite saying risk versus reward <laughs> yep i was going to say risk versus reward <laughs> i always think like cup final just you've got to go for it you've got the break coming up afterwards but yeah you just got to again weigh it up case by case i think another thing that people don't think about enough is if you take this guy into the game you might think oh just use it for this game and then take the chance. But he has an increased chance of being injured in that game as well. So you might then waste a substitution, game plan out the window, and the whole important match itself could fall apart. So it's not even a guarantee of this match versus following matches. Your actions might affect your chances in the match itself. So there's a lot of stuff to weigh up. Absolutely. Gamble, gamble, gamble. That's what it all comes down to. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Andrew James from Sports Interactive, acquaintance of the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. Want to learn more about the chaos that seems to be engulfing Everton Football Club at the moment? Well, The Athletic's dedicated Everton writers, Greg O'Keefe and Paddy Boyland, 
are your go-to source for all the goings-on at Goodison Park. And if you've never subscribed before, you can currently get an athletic subscription for £1.99 a month for 12 months. How do I do this, I hear you ask? Visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of a unique football podcast, one of the top 20 football podcasts in Guatemala, a cult football podcast. No, actually, it's one of the most important football podcasts. Football Clichés, a product of nearly 20 years of obsessive research, is a podcast about the mundane and magical depths of the language of football, the curious and sometimes almost subliminal things that define the way we consume the modern game. At what age is a player eligible to roll back the years? When does a club's highly rated conveyor belt of talent turn into a fabled production line? How many types of goal-scoring header are there in the footballing vocabulary? Football Clichés doesn't just leave no stone unturned. It looks at every single stone and wonders, what's the threshold for a stone to become a rock? But for football, obviously. Listen for your sins on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. It's community challenge time. And for that, we say hello to producer Steve. Hello, producer Steve. Hello, Tony. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Unlike Aaron, sadly. This was weird doing it without him, doesn't it? It does a little bit. It almost like feels like it. we're sort of, you know, it's like he's going to be sat there, you know, doing his own tactics and that on his own. And, and here we are talking about community challenges. But in the spirit of community, we obviously uh, extend our uh, support to, to Aaron and, and say, you know, get some lem sips down your pal and hopefully get yourself better. But in terms of community challenge, let's very, very quickly run through the rules for anyone who's potentially new to that we are, of course, managing Sheffield Wednesday in League One. We are looking for, if you want to class yourself as a platinum player in the challenge, you have to get to the Premier League in three seasons, signing only players and staff from Yorkshire. But before you get to the Premier League, you have to win a cup and get into Europe. The gold standard, get to the Premier League in three seasons, only signing players from Yorkshire. Of course, staff as well. Silver is uh, get to the Premier League in five seasons by signing whoever you want. And the bronze is take your time, chill out, be free, don't get sacked. Very straightforward. Rules, of course, as you know, are the we use the, uh, the the grandparent rule. Is that right, Steve? Yeah, so the key rules for the challenge are only signing Yorkshiremen as players and staff, if you're going to hit platinum, of course. As Tony says, following that grandparent rule. So a player or has a grandparent or parent that was born in Yorkshire, or if they indeed themselves were born in Yorkshire, you can sign them. We've got some great Yorkshire signings coming up in the correspondence, which I'm very excited about. Additionally, if they've been at a club for five seasons, they can uh, Yorkshire-based clubs, and it can be multiple clubs, not just Sheffield Wednesday, for example, they can take their Yorkshire citizenship. So, for example, Barry Bannon is the example that we have been using. Mm, and we've had a couple of questions, uh, particularly in Discord, around that rule, Steve. We've had players who've obviously come in and been shipped out on loan somewhere, and they've said, does that count? I'm like, well, you know, we've always said, make a case. Make a case for your player if, if your player players for five seasons at a club was registered there but has been loaned out to Aberdeen for example for a year I mean gotta gotta take another year's worth of Yorkshireness surely I don't know you know I feel like if their boots are playing in Yorkshire so for example if they're loaned to a Yorkshire club that's one year one season one year that that adds to the tally if they're away though I'm not sure Mm, because you would usually you would you would sign a player and loan them out to get a work permit (laughs) 
for example. If yeah. we use if we use it on that sense, yeah. you would loan that player out, and then they'd get, for example, Belgian citizenship. I don't know. This is this is. Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, how did we not think of this? <laughs> Each case on its merits, I think, is what we're going to decide on that. Yeah. So it's going. to... Okay. Let's have a think about this, and um, just to solve it. Um, do we say if a player is registered with a Yorkshire club or is actually playing? That's the question we need That's to decide. That's what I've been looking at. If they've registered there, they've not played, registration's fine. That's That class is for Yorkshire as far as we're concerned. Do you know what? This is meant to be fun. Yeah, solid. That counts. Why not? Exactly. There you go. There's the rules sorted. <laughs> right, Steve, how's, how have we been getting on? Yeah, so first up on the Community Challenge correspondence, and thank you to everyone who's got in touch via various forms, uh, Discord, letters, Twitter, etc. But Sticky Reese is first up today they have been promoted at the end of the first season so congratulations by the playoffs and it looks like in extra time a one nil win over bolton wanderers at wembley so congratulations sticky reese promoted from league one to the championship with sheffield wednesday via the playoffs so that means platinum potentially still on course for sticky reese of course as long as he's outsigned only yorkshire player and staff now, I remember, I don't know if this was on the pod or a combination on the pod, off the pod, Tony, but you made the playoffs as well, right? So I'm guessing that went as well as um, Sticky Reese's did, yeah? They always say the playoffs is the best way to go up, isn't it? You know, Famously. Like going up as champions is is boring. <laughs> right? and, there's, and there's loads of people who've gone up as, as champions and well done to you. And some people are now into season two and, and thoroughly enjoying life in the championship, <laughs> I must say. I, however, need to address the elephant in the room that I always say whenever I'm playing these games there is the easy way there's the hard way and there's the Tony Jameson way (laughs) which is like the hard way but worse okay now low listeners cast your mind back to a couple of weeks ago when I was saying that I went on a 20 match unbeaten run I had Barry Ballon d'Or playing (laughs) superbly in his Segundo Valente role things were looking fantastic I've got no idea what happened in the second half of the season. <laughs> I've got no idea at all. Maybe everyone worked out my tactic. Maybe my players were getting fatigued. Maybe I didn't have enough rotation. Maybe one of my signings, who we'll talk about a little later on, didn't quite fire. Uh, Josh Windass, however, was banging the goals in. Matt Smith was banging the goals in. I'm basically padding because what happened was I ended up finishing fourth. Steve. Oh. I got to the playoffs. It's not quite a plan, is it? No. Where where were you? Were you not in the automatic promotion places? I was point? second when we last spoke oh, and, and looking looking quite handy. And what happens when you finish fourth? The fans <laughs> aren't happy, Steve. They <laughs> they say that they demanded promotion, and and I was like, well, so we haven't got that. Uh, the board, however, were fine. They just wanted to be in the in the, the playoff hunt. So I was mm. like, okay, cool. We've survived the board. I did finish ten points behind league champions Lincoln. So it's not even like I was close to to, to it. So, and what was it you said in the last show, Tony? That I was, I was open top bus tour through Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. We, we, turns out we didn't book it because there was a non-refundable <laughs> deposit available. So thankfully we didn't do that. Uh, so we got into the playoffs, and I was drawn. Playoff teams here: Lincoln won the league. Ipswich came second there in the automatic promotions. The playoffs is Derby. Sheffield Wednesday, Portsmouth and Charlton. So this is why we're in League One. Tough league to get out of. I get drawn against Portsmouth and we have an absolute thriller in the first semi-final. We lose 5-3 at Fratton Park. Okay, so 
it's it's not out of the realms of possibility that when it comes to Hillsborough we can turn this one round. But then again, I forgot that I was in charge. And <laughs> we drew one all. So fortunately, that's 6-4 on aggregate. I fell at the playoff hurdle in the semi-finals. The semi-final hurdle as yeah, well. So... I mean, you did concede six goals across two games. So I feel like... I did score four. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're looking for positives two rights don't make it wrong though Tony no hang on what's, what's the saying there's a saying there I'm sure that makes sense for that the saying know. is don't let me in charge of the important match that's the saying um, so we go again in season two but season two in, in league one still I'm afraid Steve but I mean was it the case that like were you quite good defensively during the season were Portsmouth like a tricky side for you yeah it, to be fair that amount of goals conceded was somewhat of a surprise because we played with a three centre-backs, two wing-backs situation. And it was pretty defensively solid. We we never really got hit for five previously. But uh, but Dane Scarlett had an absolute day on the, the first leg of the semi-final. Scored a hat-trick and had two disallowed. Didn't matter what I did. He was just, he was unplayable. Absolutely unplayable. And um, yeah, the score could have been worse, to be honest. But it is what it is. We gave it our best and our best, sadly, wasn't good enough. So... We regroup in the summer. We have a look at some more Yorkshire-based sign-ins, and we uh, <laughs> we try again. But yeah, I'm I'm trailing yeah. everyone else who's having who are all having, as I say, lovely times in the championship. Well, look, it's not too late. It's not too late for you, Tony. You know, you you stuck to the the Yorkshire-ness, so you still could do. I don't think I can get platinum. I don't think I can get gold because it's three seasons, isn't it? So hang, 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 you've done one season. And then straight up. So you'd have to then get promoted next season so you'd be in the Championship. So that's two seasons. And then Championship to Premier League. So it's got to be it's got to be consecutive promotions now for you to get the uh, the platinum. It's, pra- it's practically a given, Steve. It's practically a given. <laughs> <laughs> Who in your save actually then got promoted? Uh, so I've not actually uh, followed that through yet. Oh, no. <laughs> Saved it. Went, right, fine, whatever. I'm not bothered. Um, but yeah, I, I just yeah, have a job, yeah, yeah. so I'll, I'll go back to it um, and find that out. But I was I was quite miffed yeah. at the time. Oh, <laughs> no. Like, oh, well, never mind. That's that's me done for uh, for now. Yeah. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But the well, question, of course, is going to be, is what players am I still going to have? Because players want to consider their options we mentioned it last week you know contracts coming up for big name mm. players so i might have to try and rebuild a squad oh man looking only for yorkshire talent so i've made the <laughs> challenge harder <laughs> than it needs to be that's so hence point, the tj yeah. way it's it's just worse that's the point you do have to yeah because you really have to like it's quite a small window as we've spoken about in previous episodes isn't it from a contract point of view like you really you know, the fact that you've not got promoted, you, yet, as you say, your, your likes of Barry Ballon d'Or Bannon is probably going to leave. Yeah. I'm relying on youth players now, and my youth intake had one elite player in it. So, Surinamese? Surinamese, yeah. It's time for him to make the deal. And, of course, remember, youth players don't count in terms of Yorkshire silence, so they can be there because they're academy, so it doesn't matter. Did we make that rule? I forget the rule. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm hoping, Steve. I'm clutching at straws yeah. now. <laughs> As you say, convincing case put forward, yes. Obviously, if they're in the youth academy at the beginning of the he game, must they must have been living in, in, in Yorkshire for long enough at this point. So Yeah, I think so. You're yeah. Surin- Surinamese Sheffield Wednesday superstar, you might say. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, Anyway, should we, should we find out how uh, some of the listeners got on? Yeah. 
Metally Muse is back in touch to uh, update us on their progress. They say, good day to you all, gents. First off, to pay the toll, may I just commend you on your helmsmanship of this incredible ship we call the Football Manager Show. Well done, Metally Muse, you are through. So, I have completed the first season of the challenge in one League One. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps happening. But it went right down to the last day of the season, a.k.a. squeaky bum time. I did not do well in the cups, but didn't know about the platinum challenge as we snuck it in afterwards. That is fair. Too fair. So um, sorry about that. And by the time that we decided, we basically created the platinum challenge. Metally Muse had gone out of the cups already. So, but maybe, maybe in the seasons to come, the platinum challenge is still on for them because they have been promoted. They fluked extending Ballon d'Or Barry Bannon to a contract extension in February of the first season before, as other players have experienced him sort of wanting to sort of leave. However, he couldn't get a tune out of Josh Windass, which is interesting because loads of, for most of our other um, players, he's been amazing, right? Michael Smith and Callum Patterson have been the threats up front for me with 33 goals between them. That's lovely. And Dominic Iorfa has been the rock at the back with the highest average rating in the squad all year. I heard quite a few people talking about Dominic Iorfa being um, fantastic defensively for them. They haven't made any signings yet um, as they're happy with the squad already at the club and plan on heading into season two again, not signing anyone and going with the youth if needed for a championship campaign, Tony. I mean, he says he only just found out about Platinum after he'd done it, but I think he's getting into Mm. Platinum territory at this point. If he's going for a youth only local challenge i mean that's 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 brave telling us if your youth intake is anything like mine then we, we're gonna have you have one one elite player a couple of top talents have come through though and um, absolute shout out for dominic Iorfa, by the way he was he is great very versatile i was playing him as a wide center back can also play wing back as well if needs be and um yeah michael smith that big target forward got uh got a lot of goals for me as well as and you know i got a tune out of josh windass that's the problem i got tune out of josh windass and um yeah i think you know what fair play you've got yourself promoted you won the title gotta be happy with that surely and yeah season two sounds very very exciting particularly when we're looking towards yorkshire signing steve yeah, we've had so obviously we've mentioned uh, over pre- previous episodes and today Yorkshire signings and had a message from the manager, the manager on Discord, and they say Sheffield's very own Tyler Smith comes off the bench, still victory over Barnsley on his debut. I bought him as a backup striker, ended up bringing him on as a left winger, and he scores the winner. So there we go. If anyone needs more help, Tyler Smith at that sort of League One level, I think anyway, Sheffield born. Good signing there. 23 years of old, years of age. Finishing 12. Pretty good for that level, right? As well as that first touch of 11. And his determination is 17. So that's, you know, as much as anything, incredibly important. It means he can improve a lot, you would have thought. Best role played as a pressing forward, so depending on your system. Pace, stamina, and acceleration of 14. It's the sort of guy as well, at 23 years of age, if you sign him at League One level, if you can, there's the potential for him to sort of improve with, you know, we were talking about Metally Muse, wanting to sort of not make any signings, uh, only sign Yorkshire players and move up through the leagues. Tyler Smith looks like a good example of someone you might be able to do that with, you know? Tyler Smith's a player I looked at as well. Um, definitely someone I was trying to get in. Fair play, by the way, for, for the manager or actually getting him locked down because he does look a talent. He is exactly what you need at that level. As you say, if you can have him in League One, he goes to the championship. He can do a job in the championship at that point as well. A great signing in Tyler Smith. One that I signed, Steve. Go on. Maybe not so much a great sign. In fact, two, two, I'll say. So I went, of course, down the Yorkshire route. I signed Fraser Campbell on a free transfer. Lovely. 
and he was brilliant in pre-season. And then when it got to the league season, he very much put his feet up and went, yep, that's me here now. So <laughs> got, got that contract. <laughs> Amazing. He wasn't able to, to get as many goals as I was hoping right. for, but partly because he was covering for Michael Smith, who was out injured at the start of the season. We were kind of bedding ourselves in. Smith yeah. turned up and just hit the ground running. So uh, Campbell was kind of a bit more, a bit part player, which he was probably going to be anyway, but it just, yeah, it's sort of, he didn't quite get any momentum. Um, someone else who didn't get any momentum was Aaron Lennon. Oh, that's a lovely. What are these? Uh, this is exactly what I wanted from this challenge. It's sort of like throw. But we had um Danny Rose, didn't we, a few weeks ago as well? The sort of throwback names of like who were at the sort of you know Premier League level in the past. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lennon. Yeah. That's a lovely bit of business. So that, I mean, that feels like a quite a good free transfer. Yeah, because he was free agent, right? Uh, obviously Yorkshire Leeds boy, I think, isn't he? So so how did it go for you? So so the the full story, Steve, is is obviously when we first started the challenge, we had. Aaron Lennon on trial, we had Gary Cahill on trial, we had uh, Danny Rose, Andre Wisdom, all players born in and around the Yorkshire uh, area. I didn't commit to any of them. And then I was getting towards the end of the season, I was like, I just need a little impetus, you know, a bit of fresh legs. As I was saying earlier, you know, my, my results were sort of weighing. I thought Aaron Lennon's going to come in, bit of experience, that's going to be great. Um, signed him on a free, hadn't realised the free transfer deadline had just passed, so couldn't register him. And... <laughs> He was there for morale, really, I suppose. <laughs> oh, man. And wow. And the pe- yeah, wow. And experience, I suppose, he brings to the dressing room. Where was he? Do you know where, where, he was, where he was in the sort of dressing room hierarchy? I imagine he would have been quite... I think once he realised he wasn't playing, he wasn't that bothered. So I don't think he turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so his dressing room influence was, was probably less than, less than spectacular, to be honest. So I was paying him to literally not play. So that's like, what, halfway through the season you tried to sign him or, or the beginning of the season? Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's towards the back end of the season right. when the restricted transfer window is closing so you're looking at about 10 games to go uh-huh. i thought fresh pair of legs granted he's 36 he might still be able to offer me something but yeah all he could do is offer me the chance to take money from the club and not repay me in any way shape or form oh, but that so, is your fault though isn't it <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's 100 my fault i i can't blame anybody else yeah, That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah. he was in the contract negotiations going you know gaffer i can't play right and i'm like <laughs> Oh, did you think he meant, oh, I can't do it anymore. I haven't got it. Yeah, have some faith in yourself, Aaron. Come on. No, no, no. From a bureaucracy point of view, I really literally can't play. Yeah. Oh, man. So what are you going to do with respect to the summer then? Do you reckon you'll sort of extend him again and be like, don't worry, you know, admin-wise, we're fine Aaron Lennon, I'll probably just release him in the summer. It didn't work out, did it, Aaron? Really? Oh man, yeah. It feels really harsh trying to fine him in training for not for not pulling his weight. Going like, you're not training. I don't have to, Gaffer. I literally can't play. There's no point to this. <laughs> yeah. That's oh man. I mean, to be honest with you, as expressed previously in pods, I chronically sign non-EU players that I can't, I know I can't play, and they just randomly just sit there for six months and just are seemingly fine with it. I don't know. If that's a quirk in the game whatever but you know so i think we've all fallen foul from the sort of registration rules in the game over years gone by so i think that's the sort of end of our community challenge correspondence for this week um to move on to sort of slightly more general correspondence he says with hesitance we've got a message from sean haven't we we have yeah s newport or one on twitter asks a question of myself and my co-host RDF Tactics, who isn't here, 
So therefore, I will take the mantle and I will answer this one. So we might have to come back to you, Sean, for an actual answer, but we'll try and get it here. Mm. Uh, the question is, Sean asks, was wondering if you two could help. Very specific tactical problem. Uh. My left wing back... Hey, let's have, let's have a go. <laughs> yeah, I heard that collective groan. <laughs> Not just from yourself, but from the listeners also. Tony Tactics, um, Jameson. Here we go. No, Tony Tactics Garage, right? Um, very specific tactical problem. My left wing back always has a low rating. Quintuple, quintuple Quint, yeah. winning season. All players with mid sevens for the season. He's chilling on a six point something. 6.93. Any advice? And he's right. He's got a Bristol City team where everyone's average rating is way over seven. And then there's this outlier, Fabio Lefiego, on a a 6.93. You know, he's played probably 27 games. Mm. He's played 15 subs. He's assisted five times. So he's not like there all the time. He's there enough to sort of be be considered a first teamer. I've had a look at the tactic, which again is also screenshotted for us, which is fantastic. So we might have a mm-hmm. full breakdown of this maybe on the tactics garage when Aaron gets back. But just having a quick little nosey out of myself and for the listeners at home, he's gone with uh, what the uh, what the game would class as a 5-2-1-2 wing-back formation. So he's got uh, a sweeper-keeper on defend, three centre-backs, one's a, wi- a wide centre-back on attack, One's a wide centre-back on defend and a ball-playing defender, also on defend. The wide centre-back on attack is next to the wing-back on defend. This is Lefiego. This is where the issue is coming here. The other wing-back is on attack. A deep-line playmaker on defend with a central midfielder on attack. A shadow striker on attack and an advanced forward on attack and a pressing forward on support. Now, he's playing positive and he's got a vertical tick-attacker system. My theory, Sean, okay, and this is my theory alone, is... If your wing-back is getting a slightly lower rating, it could be because he's slightly exposed. You've got a wing-back, a wide centre-back on attack uh, next to him. So he's also, you've got uh, some instructions here for underlapping. So he's clearly going to get forward, try and push on and add support up front to that advanced forward. So he's having to do more defending than than your wing-back who's over on the other side is actually bombing forward as an attacker. So... Potentially, teams are looking to expose that left-hand side where they can see there's a slight vulnerability, maybe. So he could potentially move back to as a standard fullback. That could maybe work, and that will sort of cut out some attacks. Your deep-line playmaker's not really offering much defensive support for him as well. So you could maybe look for a ball-winning midfielder, possibly, to help balance out that that sort of area. You have got, as well, I can see that there's a, a, a player instruction ticked as well. I can't see what that instruction mm. is. So you might have to send us that information because that could potentially also give us some idea as to uh, as to why he's being slightly overexposed. But personally, for me, a 6.93, I'd be I'd be over the moon with that. But he does look like an outlier uh, in your team, I can I can understand. Maybe he's just not a good player. I don't know. <laughs> but that's my that's my theory as to why he's maybe um slightly lower down on the uh, on the ratings. Does that make sense, Steve? That was good, yeah. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, was that too surprised? Was that <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, you know, I, this is this is the thing. See, after my uh, after my Super League exploits last week, all of a sudden it, I'm now Tony Jameson Tactics. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, you you you're level as good as Aaron based on results alone, eh? So, you oh, know, you're equally as good. 100%. But that makes sense. Yeah, and as you say, m- maybe that personalized instruction for Lofiego is um Always perform slightly under seven out of ten. If you <laughs> <laughs> don't give your all, if you yeah, tick exactly, the don't give yeah. your all box. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That, but also as well, because I sort of have this in a similar way with when I play a wing back on defend on the right hand side, because I've got an inverted wing back on my left. 
in my head, that right-sided wing-back is just shoring up, essentially in possession, creating a back three, right? Mm. So they're not really going forward too often, etc. They're sort of being slightly selfless, doing the sort of defensive side of things. So the others, because obviously you have that asymmetry. So mm-hmm. is there an element? And obviously that means they're less likely to get higher ratings because they're just doing basic stuff. I think so. They're essentially like saying they're doing the dirty work, yeah. really. But 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 my my thinking was he's doing the, he's doing the defensive side of work here because he's, he's as you say a wing back on defence. Mm. That for me, that wide centre back on attack is going to get forward. Yeah. He's going to get forward. Plus he's underlapping as well. So you're going to see him if you think about your tactics screen in game. He's going to start as a centre back, but he's going to end up sitting up next to your shadow striker, yeah. up next to your advanced forward. He's going to get up and and high. So you've now got a gap between wide wing back on defend and ball playing yeah. defender who's going to be sat in the middle. So remember, you've got three defenders across. You've kind of got a gap, really, according to the game's eyes. Mm. Um, and that's a ball playing defender as well. It's not a no-nonsense centre-back or a centre-back who can stay wider and cover that gap that's going to be left there. So maybe that's why you've got two ball playing sort of creative players and then this one wing back is covering mm. for a huge gap. So maybe teams are spotting your centre backs out of position. They're putting the ball into that area. He's got a lot more to do. So maybe dropping back to a full back might help. Maybe take your ball playing centre back out and maybe make him as just a, a normal centre back. I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm trying to, to pick fault in a team that's won a quintuple. I don't know. <laughs> like... I sort of think this might be an example of wanting perfection where this is not a game that allows for perfection, really, right? So I would yeah. say that, you know, with that average rating, I would assume that at that level, Bristol City are doing pretty well, you know? So I sort of think, as Aaron often says, as you often say, this doesn't seem that broke to me. Obviously, mm-hmm. the results are different than do tell us, but... It's always it's the way, isn't it? You, you focus on the thing that's not perfect, as opposed to all the green seven plus average ratings that you've got there, right? Yeah, because the only the only thing I can think of that would help give him an extra bit of defensive cover would be moving Espinosa, who's your DLP, back one step on the grid, changing him as a DLP to maybe a Segundo Valante mm. or a Carriero, which would offer a, an yeah. extra bit of defensive support. But at that point, you're taking out a player who's scored nine goals and created 10 assists. So you kind of, we talk about risk and reward. What do you want more? Segundo Volante is essentially a, a, a ball winning midfielder, box-to-box midfielder with a fancy name. He would do slightly similar stuff mm. to a DLP, but he'd, he'd be roaming around a little bit more. I just wonder if sacrificing that you're you're sacrificing too much up the uh, towards the top end of the pitch, and you're maybe not getting the best out of Espinosa. Maybe you just sit and go, you know what, Le Fiego, he can be Phil Neville. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah. you can just have a player John in there O'Shea. who's just yeah, who just yeah, just John O'Shea. Like he can he can be that guy. This is it, yeah. And as you say, that what you were just describing there runs a risk of creating a real disconnect between the sort of back six, if you're back five, if mm. you will, and the forward players. There is no such thing as complete. Isn't it? Is it Rafa Benitez who talks about the blanket in football? Mm. You know, football is basically a, a blanket that's slightly too short, so you can't cover your feet and your shoulders at the same time. You've got to make a choice. Um, and that feels like a good analogy there. Since you've warmed up your tactical engine there, Tony, chance of doing mm. another one? Yeah, I got another one. Um, I got Matt Taylor, who is uh, not that Gage, one. <laughs> Gage 100. Not that one. Not that one. Gage 100 on Twitter. 
any advice on this tactic for Worthing in the Conference South, please? Doing well, but the next game is the playoff final at Wembley. Now, I've got so much experience of playoffs, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably asking the wrong, uh, the wrong fella here. But to explain the tactic, we have a what I would suggest is a very simple and very lovely 4-4-2. We have a fullback on support. We have two centre-backs um, at the back on defend. And we have a fullback on support on the right-hand side. We have a winger on support on the left, a ball-winning midfielder, um, on defend in the middle, alongside a ball in the midfielder on support in the other centre. Up front is a winger on attack, sort of slightly one step up, so that uh, up towards the double AFs, advanced forwards on attack, leading the line. Now it is a, uh, a customised mentality, so we're not entirely sure exactly how he plays, but it does say it looks like it's balanced. Um, I basically, Steve, copped out at this point. I looked at that <laughs> tactic and I thought, you know what? What what they've got in terms of, of the setup, in terms of the instructions, in terms of the the thinking behind the tactic, I couldn't see much wrong with it. I did, and I just I wrote straight back and said, look, I tweeted about it and said, I'd be tempted to say just trust your gut. That's what's got you this far. Maybe if you want to take the handbrake off, you can hmm. untick, be more disciplined, because he is he is playing a very disciplined way, which you know is possibly what's got him to that situation as well. Like players are well drilled. If you want to take the handbrake off, untick, be more disciplined and mix potentially your two advanced forwards. Uh, I personally don't like double roles. You could maybe have an advanced forward and a, and a pressing forward mm. possibly. Uh, that could help you. Um, you've got a winger, your right winger's up on attack, so you might want to put your pressing forward possibly on the left to drop and help your winger, who's only on support as well, by the way, on that left-hand side. So you could maybe get that pressing forward just dropping, just covering the channels that way with your advanced forward running straight through um, on the right-hand side or mix it up with a poacher. A poacher's a really nice role this year, to be honest as well, mm. and they do move more than a traditional old-school poacher, which I think we all presume of the old fox-in-the-box six-yard poacher. They're now more um, balanced in terms of, of what they do on the pitch. I think as well, beyond the tactics, the thing that kept jumped out at me was the fact that um, Matt is playing uh, playoff finals. So it's a big game. So what you might mm. actually be worth doing if, you have to, if you've not gone straight to the game is in the week before, in your training schedule, you can select big match training schedule. So that includes things like set pieces, penalty practice, that sort of stuff. Because it sounds like if you've got a team that's playing in a similar a tactical system is familiar with it's got to the playoffs at this stage that feels like you know fundamentally with some potentially some kinks in there it is working so if you're nervous about the big game throw in things like there make sure you you you, you marginal gains strengthen yourself defensively and offensively at set pieces get your players practicing those penalties if it comes to it that sort of stuff so that beyond the tactics might actually be the best thing to do matt 100 percent. and if you are getting in towards that big game Changing it now is not a great idea. Those players have got to relearn a new system. You're, you're looking at that tactical familiarity, which is showing quite high on his, uh, on his on his little bars just above. So the players are used to playing that system. As you say, I think you're right. Work on your set pieces, drill those because they could be they could be key. Expect a tight game. Look at what's got you there. That's what I've said back. Look at what's got you there. You know, the system clearly works. The players clearly understand it. Remember, engage with the game. Look at your match momentum, work on your shifts. You know, if you have to go, if you have to step up from balance to, to positive to attacking, do that. If you need to up the tempo, do that. If you're controlling the game, slow the tempo down. Be cautious if you need to. You've got this. You've absolutely got this. You know, 
what you need to do though, Matt, is you need to tweet us back and let us know how you got on in that playoff final because we're all intent to hooks now. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you that you got promoted and you're into the uh, Conference National. Up the Worthing, I think is where we're going to go there. So um, yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully uh, that worked out for you. But yeah, ultimately, thank you very much for all correspondence. We do appreciate them as always. If they are short, if they are short uh, correspondence, please feel free to send us them in Twitter form. Of course, I'm at Tony Jameson at RDF Tactics. Also, uh, if we have longer letters, please make sure they come in to Ian McIntosh at iMacintosh at theAthletic.com. Remember, if you need to bring your team into the tactics garage, tweet us with a screenshot of the tactic and, more importantly, what is wrong with it. And, of course, the FM confessional is always waiting for you. And that was the Football Manager show from The Athletic. Your guest today was Andrew James from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was ill, but it's usually RDF Tactics. Your producer was producer Steve Hankey, and I am Tony Jameson. Take care, stay safe, we'll see you soon. The Athletic.